Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Uber Neuro, the podcast designed to bring you fascinating interviews with amazing people who have neurodiversities and yet, despite or perhaps because of those neurodiversities, have triumphed in one or many ways. Every week I get to speak to an amazing human uh, who has gone through an awful lot and I do this just to remind any new listeners or any existing listeners and to let any new listeners know. I do this because my son is on a journey uh, and has been diagnosed with autism and ADHD and a couple of other things and so I want to surround myself with people who have championed over their neurodiversities so I can be a fantastic leader for my son and sometimes he even listens to the podcast himself so bear in mind you may actually even be speaking directly to him so without further ado let me introduce you to today's guest this guy has pretty much got a 360 degree view of everything we're talking about he is a diagnosed ADHD uh, and he's been living that for, with with that for quite a while um, he is a co uh, he is a counselor. He has a, a master's degree in social work. Uh, Brian King, are you with me? I'm here, Al. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent, excellent. Well, I don't imagine for a minute that my introductions ever do people justice, and I have a feeling that that was the tip of the iceberg with you. So uh, take a minute just to introduce yourself to everyone, and then we'll dive into our, our big three questions. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it, it is the tip of the iceberg. I have a history of chronic health issues not only growing up with undiagnosed ADHD and dyslexia, because as you and I spoke beforehand, the label didn't even exist back when we were kids. So we were just loud, we were dreamy, we were not motivated. All these things that were thrown at us to blame us for the difficulty we were having and make it a character defect as opposed to a defect in our brain chemistry. But now we know better. So I went through all of school, got my master's degree, struggling to absorb the material, not knowing why I was having difficulty. But my own tenacity and resourcefulness allowed me to get through all that until I got to the point where, and I imagine it was the same for you, I became a father myself. Right. And through my kids' challenges and getting them diagnosed, all of the lights started going off in my own head and I realized the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. This is a very no. common story for us. Yeah. And in addition to all that, I had cancer when I was 18. Wow. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis a few years ago. Wow. So I have all kinds of, of complications. But what it all boils down to is when your story is punctuated with difficulties, you can chalk it up to a universe that has chosen you for disenfranchisement. Right. Like, hey, we're going to screw this guy. We're going to throw all this stuff at him. But, or you could just say, all right, here is a big pile of stuff, poop, whatever you want to call it. What can I do with this? How yeah. can I repurpose it? You can repurpose it as fertilizer. Yeah. Amazing. And grow, a be- and grow a beautiful crop. So if you can see your challenges through that lens, it makes bouncing forward from them much more achievable. Interesting. So it becomes fuel. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. There's an incredible mindset there because obviously, you know, lots of people have challenges and um, they don't use them as fuel. They use them as, uh, as weight to, to sort of bear down on them. And so it's an incredible mindset shift to have gone through all of that to be honest, Brian, and uh, be the positive force able to say, 
no, it's fuel. Keep loading it on. The more fuel you give me, the further I'm going to fly. What, what do you think? I mean, was it, were you always that way? Have you, were you born positive and optimistic or do you think something shifted? Absolutely not born positive. I was one of the most negative people you'd ever meet. Wow. If, if the sky was sunny, I'd feel, find a reason to feel bad about it. You know, wow. I had anxiety and depression when I was a kid. And like you mentioned a moment ago, a lot of people will take their experiences and they'll say, oh, this means God hates me. This means that I, I'm a loser, mm. that I can't do anything right. And they will use that thinking to prop up their fear Yeah. instead of building something much more useful. And it was the cancer that created the pivot for me right? because I lost everything. Relationships fell apart. You know, my life was in danger. I felt helpless to a degree I'd never felt before. And it was terrifying. Wow. And this is one of the privileges of ADHD, our all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And white. It yep. can work to our advantage or to our deficit. But in this case, in my mind, swinging the pendulum the other way from helplessness to complete focus and purpose. Yeah. So when that was, my cancer experience was all wrapped up, I was told I was in remission. I declared that I was going to live my life deliberately, taking personal responsibility and creating the life I wanted to live and becoming the person I wanted to be. And I'm going on 31 years now wow. on that journey. And the onion keeps generating new layers. I mean, wow. there's always more things to do, but it was that declaration that one side of the coin is costing me way too much. Yeah. So if I flip it over, the other side says, I can create exactly the experience I want from this life and everything else can take care of itself. Wow. That's outstanding. Genuinely, that's outstanding. I hope people tell you that regularly. Um, and, and, and I'm sorry, it, I'm just sorry it took something so massive like cancer. But on the other hand, I'm really pleased that the universe threw a major obstacle in your, in your way and you realized, you know, uh, that whole pendulum motion was available. You know, you could. Well, and, and here's the reality, Al. It doesn't even have to be something that traumatic. Yeah. It can just be something that wakes you up. It, it really boils down to taking that experience and making a decision for using it purposefully. Yeah. That, that's the key right there. You don't have to go through something heavy in order to make a major shift in your life. Yeah, now that's true. I mean, it could could have been something small, I guess, but mm -hmm. some, I guess you know something so life-challenging as cancer is obviously a mass. I mean, well, there's nothing bigger. <laughs> really so that's about as big as it gets and obviously sometimes people get luckier and can shift their mindset when it's much less uh you know all-encompassing and threatening i guess um mm -hmm. and so uh that was at 18 so from then on you were just on a mission i guess yeah i went back to school i chose social work as my major got my master's degree my first job out of high high up my first job out of college was hospice care. Wow. So I, I was a medical social worker helping people prepare for dying, preparing loved ones for wow. helping them grieve and so on. And it was when my oldest son was in crisis because the school was not meeting his needs. He was diagnosed on the autism spectrum first. Yeah. Right. And the ADHD didn't come till much later. But the school wasn't really working for him. He was having meltdowns and running out of the classroom and trying to run out of the school. So I realized that I needed to pull him from school, but I couldn't do that and work full time. Right. So 
I took the leap and started my own private practice. And it took off like wildfire because I was a guy who was somewhere on the spectrum probably, also have ADHD, and I'm raising a child effectively. Yeah, amazing. The strategies that work. Yeah. And the word got out and the parents just came out of the woodwork and flooded my practice. So I've been doing this going on 12 years now and it started locally. It is now international. Amazing. That's wild. I mean, I mean, it's an incredible shift and I can really relate to that because uh, our son was really struggling in school. School, school couldn't cope uh, and he couldn't cope. He, they couldn't cope with him and he couldn't cope with them. That's the reality. Um, and, you know, it was affecting his, his mental well-being. So yeah. we, took, we took him out of school and he's off school right now. And uh, we're exploring another option into a different kind of environment. He's just actually, you know, the black and white thing you were talking about around ADHD. Yeah. You know, we, we find that so much with him. And he's just got back into uh, when he was a younger kid, eight years old, he did drumming for about five weeks, really loved it. But it was very difficult. So it was very unsatisfying. And he's just got back into it age 13. And the kid is a born drummer. The drum instructor is like, holy cow. Well, for what it's worth, yeah. Um, my second oldest brother is a semi-professional percussionist. Well, and I swear he's ADD, even though he won't admit it. But... <laughs> He is known for being able to do the complicated pieces other percussionists yeah. can't do. Yeah. I remember once seeing a video of him performing a percussionist piece where typically three percussionists would do this. Wow. Jeez. So he had, he had different sticks, pairs of sticks on, in his pockets. So wow. he could reach for the pair he needed depending on which instrument was coming next. Wow, that's and he's just, that's his zone of genius. And yeah. uh, it's quite possible your son is following in those steps. Well, he, he's, he's accelerated. I mean, his learning, uh, he, he's, he's done his lesson. He's practiced it. He's ready. We have the lesson on a Saturday. He's done on a Monday. He's bored again. So we now have to get another lesson midweek. And the instructor is just like, Jesus, I mean... I haven't seen anyone do this before. So, you know, so one, one thing that happens with our kiddos and you're seeing this is so much emphasis is placed on creating strategies to help our children be successful in school. Yeah. School is one context that yeah. does not mirror reality. Yeah. Agreed. So to put so much emphasis on succeeding in that space at the expense of what actually is going to help them live a successful life. Yeah is really, in my opinion, is a waste of time and energy. Yeah, it's very, it's very one-dimensional. And, and there's a lot about school that doesn't prepare children for most of life. I mean, they mm -hmm. don't teach CPR. They don't teach how to run a household budget. They, you know, they don't teach a lot of things around citizenship. And, you know, uh, there's a, a whole deficit. You know, the, the curriculum, certainly in the UK, is still, you know, mostly Victorian, you know, post-Victorian kind of history, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, history, science, you know, phys ed. Yeah. Um, it's all here, the, the same stuff yeah. that Henry Ford and all of his buddies conceptualized yeah. Yeah. that would prepare them for better factory workers. That's know? right. That's right. That was the intention and that's what we get. So it's kind of, yeah, uh, yeah I agree. I think it's, um, I think it's fascinating really how the school system, I, I think uh, is, is a, a benefit to so many children and, and I think to so many others is not and that's not to you know decry it and say it's terrible and disastrous it isn't but it needs reform yeah it um, is it's wonderful for those who want to participate and maintain the status quo yeah 
yeah. for our kids that are outside the box thinkers. And it's not going to work. For all intents and purposes, don't work within a box. Yeah. They need the freedom to explore and discover. And the school system just doesn't allow for that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So obviously, uh, despite all the challenge you faced, uh, you got through your master's degree, you got into work and obviously at a very difficult edge of your your career, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, mental mental well-being in a hospice, helping people prepare for their end. Um, I guess what happened after that? I mean, where did your career or when did you have kids, I guess? So when yeah, did you- I had, I was 28, I, you know, got married quickly. It was one of those whirlwind romances. And I was working hospice during that time. Right. And as I mentioned, I started my own practice uh, in part because I needed the time freedom to be there for my son and homeschool him and support him. Yeah. But also because I had enough parents telling me, Bright, we want to bring our kids to you. You need to open up your own yeah. practice. Amazing. So I had those pressures from multiple sides that gave me the leverage I needed to take the risk. Amazing. And I did. And like I said, going on look back. 12, 12 plus years now. Amazing. And so uh, bring us up to date with, uh, I guess, where you are now. I mean, tell, tell where, us. Where I am now is I'm focusing on women with ADHD who want to be successful in business as entrepreneurs. And what led me to that is the realization that for the entire time I've been in this space, it's typically the mothers that have sought me out. You know, they're the ones that make the appointments and they're the ones that bring their kids to the appointments. And the fathers were kind of involved, but they were never quite as hands-on as the mom was. And one of my clients pointed out to me that how well I work with women. Then as I look back, I realized, wait a minute, I've been working with women the whole time. I just didn't say that's what I was doing. Right. So I finally just declared, hey, I work great with women that have these issues. And that focus has really opened up my thinking and refined my purpose as supporting women to live on their own terms because they are the ones preparing the next generation. Yeah. So if we are going to shift society into something that's much more inclusive, much more compassionate, we need to start with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. Because so many of the adults these days are not interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so if we can impact the next generation, the millennials have a very good chance of shifting things because they're much more heart-centered. Yeah. But the ones coming up behind them, that can really be a game changer if they are prepared and are much more open-minded and accepting as opposed to the same, you know, clicky Mm. point scoring or scorekeeping or whatever you want to call it that our generation tends to do too much of. Yeah, there's too much blame, I think, in our generation, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think, you know, in, in my son and in his, the friends of his, you know, the, the, the blame isn't there. They, they've, you know, I think blame came from expectation. And, uh, you know. Blame, blame also came from a generation of parents that were shamed a lot. Yeah. And a lot of old school parenting is shaming your parent, it's shaming your child into compliance. Yeah. And you know, some parents still do that, and it happens a lot in the classroom. Yeah, know, embar- yeah. Embarrassing a student for not knowing the answer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that doesn't make a child love learning. Okay. So now our kids that are much more accepting and hopefully do not incorporate the biases that they see modeled for them by their parents. Yeah. But instead realize, man, these folks are totally missing the boat here. 
you know, this person that has different color skin, this is my buddy. Yep. Yeah. And we're going to hang out. Or this person that acts a little different and sits by himself at lunch. I'm going to hang out with this kid. Yeah. That's the kind of leadership that can happen in a single moment that models to everybody around that child that they don't have to do exactly what was modeled for them. They can do something new. Yeah. That possibility, isn't it? Yeah. It's the possibility that, uh, that it doesn't have to be that way, that they can, that, that the world can, can be kinder and more fashioned to accommodate them, I guess. Whereas in my generation, your generation, it was, it was oh Pink Floyd goodness. brick in the wall territory, wasn't it? I mean, you know. Oh yeah. And if a, if a click was formed, there was no way you were getting in and that's just the way it was. And if you were yeah. an outsider, man, they let you know it. Yeah. Yeah. There was no, yeah, I agree. There was no, um, yeah, it was very tribal. I think you're right. Yeah. Very the, the, the kids today, the ones that are going out of their way to take the risks to not allow people to be singled out. These kids need so much support to continue doing that. Because if there's any pushback from their peer group, they need to be able to withstand that. Yeah. Because I heard in middle school from my youngest son where there was this talk about, well, I can't be your friend if you're friends with this person. And we yeah. call BS on that right away. Like nobody has the right to tell you who you can be friends with. Yeah, absolutely. I remember my son was at school and a friend was mean to him. And I said to him, friends don't hurt friends. That's the bottom line. That's what being a friend means. If someone, <clears throat> if someone hurts you emotionally, psychologically or spiritually, I think you have to question whether you're a friend. Now, if they do it once, maybe it was an accident. Twice, you know, maybe. But if they're doing that all the time, if they're being an asshole to you, they're not your friend. That's Yeah, and if it happens because of a misunderstanding, does that friend own it and apologize for it? Yeah, absolutely. Just just to stick a note in, um, <clears throat> I'm just recording an Instagram story at this moment in time. So if I go off piste, uh, you'll know why. And if you see me look at my screen, you'll know why. Uh, well, if, you, if you go off, it's because we both have ADHD and it's totally expected. Absolutely. Plenty of ADHD could make this very interesting. But I'm just recording a fascinating podcast with Brian King for Uber Neuro. And you got to check it out, uberneuro.com. Anyway, Brian, so how are we doing? Um, doing great. Thank you for that little, uh, let me just flick that up. That's great. Um, so uh, to everybody listening, uh, that was a, a li- just proof that this is live. You can actually go and uh, see it. Well, if, if, you, if you catch this in time and my story is still live or if I haven't published it elsewhere, you'll know it was true. Um, so I think there's a real, um, I think there's a real moment in time thing happening. Um, I see lots of parents doing exactly what you and I have done. Do you think there's a, I mean, do you think we're on the edge of a kind of a major shift? There can be a shift, but we need to be much more collaborative about it. Yeah. I I see this tendency a lot since I've been focusing on women. How many women come to me and say, I know I need the help, but I'm so afraid to ask for it. Yeah. Because usually women in our culture are trained to be the rescuers. You know, when everything is going to hell Go at and even the the dads. Go ask your mother. Go ask your mother. You know everything is poured on the woman, so she is given this message that she has to have it all together. She has to have the solutions, and if she doesn't, she's failing as a mother. And this really creates an entire and this is multi generational. We have these generation of martyrs that then pass this mindset and these behaviors onto the next generation of women. Yeah. And what I'm really trying to help 
them do is break free of that obligation to be everybody's savior. Yeah. And they don't have to be. They don't have yeah. to be everyone's. And, and I guess that reminds me of a quote from Gandhi. You know, you don't have to bring light to the whole world. You just have to bring light to your one corner. If you can just, if you can just keep your corner well taken care of, and if everybody did that, then we don't have to save each other. Actually, we end up saving, we end up collectively saving, you know? Yeah, the, the metaphor that I think of is a ripple. When right. you make an impact on the pond or the surface, it creates this ripple. And you start it, then something else comes along yeah. and creates a splash and keeps the ripple moving forward. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very much a pay it forward kind of thing. Like you keep your candle lighting the corner. Somebody else comes along who happens to need a light for their candle. You light their candle. They move along. They light someone else's. Yeah. And, and slowly. Yeah. And that's, that's how you light the world. But it starts in those moments with those little opportunities. So the things I do on Facebook, the things that I, I teach my clients, it's all in service of paying it forward. Go do this for somebody else. Teach somebody else how to think this way. Yeah. Sh show them things they never spread, considered before. Spread that message. Right. I agree. So, so we have this collective belief, this movement, where people are standing together saying, this is how we want to do things. This is the legacy we want to leave this world so that our kids can pick up the torch and create a better world for all of us. And it, it sounds very, you know, pie in the sky, Pollyannish, but it's also possible. Yeah. No, no. Why not? I mean, there's no reason why not. I think it's, you know, we just got to, everything's possible. I mean, a guy just, a guy just ran a two, a, a sub two hour marathon, right? I saw that. I mean, you know, all bets are off. There isn't anything that anybody can't do. You know, I just, I was just watching a show about Voyager. You know, we've just sent a spacecraft, you know, 40 years ago, we sent a spacecraft, you know, that will go forever and ever. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing we can't do. If we want to move things the way, the way you've just described, I don't, I don't see why we can't. Um, all right. Well, look, conscious of time. Um, this has flown by actually. And I suspect, I suspect there could be another visit to this podcast from you in a few months, because I suspect we could carry on talking and, and putting the world to rights. Uh, it's a shame we can't meet in a virtual pub. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, share a a, a jar. Well, that would be fun. Well, that would be fun. If you make it to the UK, we'll do that. Or if I make it to your neck of the woods, I'll, I'll look you up for sure. Um, so, final word from you, and then I'll I'll wrap things up. What what uh, what message have you got for somebody out there? I often talk about a thirteen-year-old undiagnosed sat there wondering if it's them. You know, what message would you give to that kid? My message to that kid and to every other kid is don't let anybody try to convince you that being less than perfect is a problem. Because right. well, everybody else runs around say, oh, I've got it all together. And you know, oh, I'm better. And I wouldn't make that mistake. They're full of BS. Yeah. They're conning themselves. They're putting up this front because they feel insecure and they're afraid of being judged. Whereas you live your imperfections on your sleeve. Your imperfections are a reflection of your essential humanity. Wow. The one thing that everybody else really needs to get in touch with, because if we can share our humanity with one another, then we are connected to everybody else. So live from that place, be a model for everyone else about how you can live imperfectly and still 
bring beauty to the world. Amazing. Wow. How you can live imperfectly and still bring, bring beauty to the world. I think if uh, Brene Brown were listening to this podcast, that would bring a tear to her eye. Uh, oh, I, I totally love Brene. Yeah, yeah. Brene Brown is on the money. I'm a big fan. I, I'm, uh, I'm sure there must be a male fan forum for Brene. Brene's bros. If not, we should start that. I think yeah, Brene, that would be interesting. Little, yeah. little fanboy club for Brene. Yeah, Brene's Bros. I think we should make that happen, Brian. Brene's Bros. I want to be a founder member of Brene's Bros. Um, and more men need to get into Brene Brown because it's not. It's. It's. I. Th- I, I. In fact, I think I tweeted her and said I think you're the most uh, important thinker of the 21st century, actually, because if you can help all humanity overcome shame and uh vulnerability and we can master our egos oh then we really will take off and i think that's the final frontier so amen to that excellent well look thank you so much for being a guest today this has been incredible um uh brian thank you so much after i stop recording we'll talk for a second or two more but to everybody listening thank you for your attention Uh, i hope you've enjoyed listening to brian uh, as much as me brian is there a website people can go to to find out more about your amazingness Absolutely. It's just my name, brianraymondking.com. Brianraymondking.com. It doesn't get any simpler than that. So um, obviously, if anything Brian has said has resonated, if you are uh, an ADHD female entrepreneur looking for guidance, I think you know what you need to do next. Um, And uh, to everyone listening, thank you so much for taking the time. Do share this because somewhere uh, that 13-year-old is wondering what's wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them, as Brian said. And if they listen to this particular episode of Uber Neuro, they will totally get it, and you will change their life and probably the world as a result. So uh, thanks to everyone once again. We'll be back uh, in a week with another fantastic interview. This is Al from Uber Neuro uh, saying goodbye to Brian and signing off. <laughs>